0: Well, good morning, Five Stones family. We are not with you today because we are actually ministering up in Wichita Falls, Texas with our dear friends, Pastor Ben and Annalise Murray. You know them. They've come and spoken to us before, and so we're going to return the favor and head out to Wichita Falls. But today, I am not leaving you high and dry. In fact, if I could be honest, I'm a little bit envious of you because you're going to hear from one of the best preachers, funniest guys, best just all-around pastor that I know, Pastor Derek Dale. Pastor Derek and Nikki were on staff at Daystar Church, where Deborah and I launched this church out of, and in fact, they're about to go on that same exciting adventure. They're going to launch Bright House Church in Athens, Georgia next year, and so we're behind them, we're supporting them, we're praying for them, and today I believe you're going to be blessed as you hear from Pastor Derek. So will you get up on your feet, put your hands together, give them a great big Five Stones family welcome to Pastor Derek Dale.
1: Awesome. Hey, thank you guys so much. Love you. You can have a seat. I'm so glad that you're here. Today is going to be special. I am so thankful for Pastor Tom and Pastor Deborah. They are just... We love them so much. My family loves them. They have been such good friends, and I just got to tell you, the people that you see—you know, Tom is an entertainer. If you can't tell by his children, right? They're both. Deborah is an entertainer, but but more than their ability to entertain or their knowledge of God or anything like that, they're just such good people. They truly are who they say they are you know, and I just so honor that they're in my life and I love you guys. You have amazing pastors. Will you give them a hand? I know they're not here, but let them know that you love them. I'm so honored that I get to be here with you. Uh, my wife is with me, uh, Nikki Dale. And so I met Nikki in high school. Uh, we just celebrated not too long ago 10 years of marriage together. Our son, who's four-year-old, uh, four-year-old is named Silas. He's not with us today, and you should thank me after service, okay? Because he'd be running through these halls, but he is just so much fun. We love him. I have loved Nikki now, uh, since I've known her really we felt we, we 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 she was my math tutor y'all she she she's 2 years younger than me but like she had like literally when I was a senior in high school I was in math class okay they they stopped calling it math at 6th grade the book just said math Right? And she was like helping me in the back of class. All I knew is I don't know two plus two. I just know two plus two equals you, baby, just you. That's all I cared about was her. And I'm so thankful that she said yes, because if you like it, put a ring on it. Come on, somebody. And so I did that many years ago, and I'm still in love with her and so thankful that she is here with me uh, today. We're in this next installment of a series you guys have been doing called Anti Heroes. And an anti-hero is a central character in a story or a movie or a drama who likes convictional, heroic attributes. And so it's somebody who is missing the things you would expect a hero to have that there's something about them. And we see this all over the Bible. And last week, Pastor Tom did such a good job talking about David and how even though David was a man after God's own heart, he was still a man that dealt with entitlement. He was still a man that had sinfulness. He was still just a man. And don't you know that that's good news for people like me and you today? Because God is in the business of finding normal, regular people, <laughs> people like me and you, that he wants to use for something greater than we could imagine, dream, or even dare to believe. God is looking. He is the real hero of this story. Don't make any mistake. This story that we're in, got, sometimes we think it's about us, but we're not even the main character of our own story. It's really about him, and in his goodness, he has chosen to let us be a part of his story, and it's amazing because we know that we don't have it all together, that in fact, we are not Superman right? We're just not. I heard a story not too long ago about Muhammad Ali. Now, Muhammad Ali, as you know, is a really famous boxer, and he uh, was getting into an airplane, and the flight attendant came up to him and said, Mr. Ali, I need you to fasten your seatbelt." And he ignored her and didn't do anything, and so she kept on because, you know, he's famous. Like, <laughs> And she waited, and as the flight was getting ready, she came back to him and said, Mr. Ali, I need you to fasten Your seatbelt. And he ignored her again and he kept in his conversation. And so she went on her way. And as the flight was just about to take off, she came back to Mr. Ali and she was frustrated. And she said, Mr. Ali, I need you to fasten your seatbelt. And he looked at her and he said, Ma'am, Superman don't need no seatbelt. And she looked back at him and she said, Mr. Ali, Superman don't need no airplane. Fasten your seatbelt. The truth is that even Muhammad Ali is not Superman. None of us are Superman, but we all have kryptonite. And we all have areas of our lives that are so hard, struggles, sin. (laughs) We have places that are painful. Places where we're, we know we should be doing better. We know God's called us to a higher standard, and we just can't seem to reach it. None of us are Superman. Now, I love key words in Scripture. There's actually keywords in all kinds of religions, right? In some religions, uh, 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 we see words like uh, wait, ponder, or think, and those are the key words. In some religions, we hear important words like strive, do earn God's favor. But what makes Christianity, our uh, religion, so different than anything else is the key words are done. It's already been done in the name of Jesus. Isn't that good news today? I mean, we could stop right there, that it has already, it's not about you, it's about Jesus and what he has already done. Come on, somebody, say amen. Now, y'all gonna have to get with me, or I will come out there and sit on you and kick you in the shin. Somebody say amen. Yeah, It's already been done. And then i love words like trust and faith those are key words but you know what's a key word in our religion is the word go (laughs) now we don't like that word all the time but to go to get going our christianity is a religion about growing and going And the word go is used over a thousand times, well over a thousand times in your Bible. Abraham was called to go and find a new land. God told Noah to go and build an ark. Gideon was called to go save the people. Nehemiah was told to go build the wall. Joshua was told to go possess the land. David was told to go and fight the enemy. And Jeremiah was told to go and teach my word. Our religion, our faith is built on going from the call of God. See, God is always sending. He's sending normal people and that going is what we would call our life mission. And God has a life mission, a calling for every person under the sound of my voice. God has a calling for every person in this room today. God has a call upon your life, a life mission for you to go. And the problem is that most of us never discover or attempt that life mission. And the number one reason that people like us don't do that is because we're afraid. Because we have fear. It's fear that keeps us from doing and being who God has called us to be. It's not just reserved for the Tom Watsons of the world, or the Debras, but the going is for all of us. To go into the call and plan of God over your life is for you. I know that you feel. I just felt, I'm just got to tell you, I just feel like you got a word for heaven for somebody. See, even somebody, as I say that, it's so hard for you to receive because you think, if you know who I was and what I did, Derek, you wouldn't think it was for me. But I got to tell you, you might feel like you're on plan B or plan C or plan D of your life. But I'm just telling you, through the power of the Holy Spirit, spirit this is not your story it's god's story and he has plan a for you and plan a is to go into the calling and the life mission and purpose he has for you now that's a good spot to clap your hands and say amen come on somebody we're called to go and we see that fear can grip us and keep us from that life mission and purpose and it's no different for the people in your bible <laughs> moses had fear when god called him now there's it's interesting enough there's five main fears that keep us from the call of god and it's those same five five fears that moses would encounter when god spoke to him and we're going to look at those today. But first, we need to back up and think about Moses. Now, who is this guy, Moses? Moses's life can be divided into three 40-year segments. He spent 40 years learning to be a somebody, and then he spent 40 years being a nobody, and then he spent the last 40 years being God's somebody. That's how you can divide his life up. The story of Moses is he's a, he's a Jewish man. He was a Hebrew. Uh, and then there came a decree in the land of Egypt that all the baby boys in the land of Egypt were to be slaughtered and killed. And his mom didn't want him to be killed. So she put him in a basket and she sent him on the way of the Nile River. And it just so happened through the plan and providence of God uh, that Pharaoh's daughter was out bathing in the Nile River. And she saw the basket, found the little boy. She loved the little boy and touched her heart so much that she took the boy in and raised him, raised Moses as the grandson of Pharaoh. So he was raised as royalty. And when he gets, he gets 40, when he gets to be 40 years old, so for 40 years he's raised as royalty. And at 40 years old, he learns the truth about his life. He finds out that he's not an Egyptian. He's not really royalty. He's the son of slaves. He realizes all of a sudden he becomes very interested in the millions of plus people who are building the pyramids and who are being tortured and being uh, they're giving their lives as slaves. And he says, I've got to do something about this. I'm not an Egyptian. I'm, not, I'm Jewish. I'm a Hebrew. And so he goes out and he, he, he tries in his own strength and power to do something. And it only leads to disaster because he's operating in a cockiness and his own self-will. And he ends up killing a slave driver. And then he has to flee for his life on the account of murder. This is who he is. So he runs across the desert. And for the next 40 years, Moses is a nobody. Nobody's thinking about Moses. And in that time of being a nobody... He, he builds a family, he has a wife, and he becomes a shepherd. In that time of being a nobody, he's tending goats and sheep, and he marries a woman, and he's a nobody for 40 years. But then he has an encounter with God. I know some of you feel like you're a nobody. I'm telling you it can be one encounter with God for you to become God's somebody. And so he has an encounter with God. And the Bible says it like this in Exodus 3. Moses was tending his flock, the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. And he led the flock to the far side of the desert of the mountain of God. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames from within a bush. And Moses saw that even though the bush was on fire, it was not burning up. Now that got his attention. All right. And when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look at the bush, he called from within the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am. Can you imagine a A bush talking to you. It was flipping him out. Right? Don't come any closer. God said, "Take off your sandals, for the place you are standing is holy ground." Then the God. Then God said, "I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, God of Isaac, the God of Jacob." At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look towards God. For four hundred years, the Israelites had been slaves. They had prayed the prayers and they saw like nothing was happening. And God was about to call a man to use a single person, to use an anti-hero, to use a flawed person to change the trajectory of an entire nation of people. We say prayers, and God is calling on a man or a woman to rise up in spite of your flaws. You're not perfect, but God can use you perfectly for the call he has on your life. He's calling Moses— He chooses a man. That's it. Come on, people. I love you. Got my. Woo! The Lord said to Moses, I have, and you can check out your notes, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt, and I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So now, go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. See, how do you know when it's a life calling, when it's a true mission from God, when it's really, uh, uh, you remember the Blues Brothers were on a mission from God, right? No, okay. Okay, only me? Okay, thanks. Y'all know what I'm talking about. A true mission from God is always based in God's love. How you know it's your life calling is because it's not motivated by more money, more fame, more popularity, more pleasure, or by sex, or whatever thing you can put in the blank. It's motivated through love, through passion, passionate love for a people. And God said, I've seen their misery. I've heard their crying. I'm concerned about their suffering. This is how you know when God is calling you. You know, because it's not only, it's, it's, it's passionate, it's personal. He says, I'm sending you, Moses. I'm sending you. This is how you know when God is putting the call of God on your life is it's passionate. It's personal. It's specific to you, and it's practical. He said, you're going to go set them free. You're going to relieve somebody's suffering. You're going to help somebody else out. A mission, a true mission from God benefits other people. And Moses is not Superman, but he has his kryptonite. And these same five fears are dealing with all of us today as well. We all have to walk through them to fulfill the call of God on our life. The first fear, if you have, have your notes, you can fill in the blank. The first fear was the fear of inadequacy. The Bible says in Exodus 3, But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? And bring the Israelites out of Egypt. Who am I? Other translations, today's English version says, I'm a nobody. How can I go? The New Living Bible says, how can you expect me to lead, God? Another version says, I'm not a person for a job like that. And then message, I love this, why me? (laughs) Why me? What makes you think I could ever do that? And I got to tell you, when God puts his God calling on your life, when he speaks his, his uh, life mission, his God purpose over you, oftentimes it will lead, leave you feeling like, who am I to do something like that? Like, how can I get there? And God's response to Moses in the middle of all this, I'm inadequate, I can't do it, is he simply says, God says, I will be with you. Woo! Now that's a good story because God is with you. Now listen. I know that we feel like oftentimes we can't measure up to what God wants us to do. It's you, we think things like it's not in me. I don't have it. I'm insecure. I don't feel like I can do what I'm supposed to do. I'm not enough. And you know what? We think how could God use me? And you, you don't have The truth is you're right. You don't have it. You aren't enough. You can't do it on your own. But the X factor is God says, I am with you. And God plus nothing equals everything because he is with you. He goes with you. For 40 years. Now, Moses is 80 years old when he's hearing all this. And he's like, I can't do it. He's like, I can't. He, he, and I think like, you know, 40 years ago, and then the first part of his, second part of his life, he had tried to do it on his own. He had compassion and wanted to save this people, and it didn't work out like he thought. And I think a lot of times when God puts his calling on our life, we start looking back to when we've tried it before, and hey, that doesn't work. I've tried it, and it can't work. I can't do it. I've been there, and it didn't work out like I thought. And so it keeps us from what God is trying to call us into because we start looking back to and we become very insecure. Like, I've tried that, it didn't work. And I think Moses probably remembered him trying and it didn't work out. But he wasn't going in his own power. He was going with the Lord. See, typically when God says, I've got something for you, it will seem bigger than you. And when he starts pointing that to our attention, our inadequacies, our background, our weaknesses, all that starts to not really matter. It didn't matter how Moses felt. Whether he felt inadequate or not, it didn't matter whether or not he was inadequate or not. And he was. And you're inadequate for your life mission. But that doesn't matter. What matters is that God has chosen you. And that he goes with you. God sees something in you you don't see in you. Oh, I wish you would receive that. God sees something in you that you don't see in yourself. I think about Gideon, and you remember the story of Gideon, he was hiding. From the call of God, he was hiding in a wine press. He was hiding and an angel from the Lord came to him and said, mighty warrior, the Lord is with you. And and Gideon's like, say what? He's not with me. (laughs) He's like, look around me. There's not, mighty warrior, the Lord is with you. I don't see him. He's like, And then he starts to get convinced. Okay, there's an angel here, but you don't know me. You got the wrong guy. Are you sure it wasn't the guy next door? Because if you knew me and you knew my tribe, we're the weakest of all the tribes. And if you knew my clan, we're the worst one. <laughs> and if you knew my family... We're the, this is literally what he says. If you knew my, now y'all know, y'all resonate with that, don't you? If you knew my family, (laughs) we're the least of all the families in our tribe and in our clan. And you know, if you look at my family, I am the weakest one of my whole family. So, God, really? You can't be choosing me, mighty warrior. And here's the key the Lord is with you. Will someone receive that over yourself today? That the Lord goes with you, so there's no reason to feel inadequate. Number two, he had a fear of embarrassment. Moses was afraid of being embarrassed. But Moses protested, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they won't believe me. They will ask, which God are you talking about? What is his name? Then why should I tell them? Moses was afraid they'd make fun of him, that they would mock him, that he'd be embarrassed he wouldn't have the right things to say or whatever, and God simply says to him, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. Now, in the Bible, names are important. Now, we like to name things for cuteness, right? But the Bible names things for people of character, And when God says, I am who I am, he's saying a few things. First, he is saying, I'm a God who is real. (laughs) I am real. I am a living God. It was. It's not. I was who I was. I am who I am. I'm present and active, and I'm real and available right now in your life. The second thing He's telling us is I am eternal. I am outside. I'm timeless. I'm before you, and you get to the end of you, and I'm still back there somewhere. And I know that's hard for us to imagine, but I'm outside of your time. That's who I am. I am who I am. And the third thing He says I am the God who is true. I am. I am who I am means I am a God who is true. What I'm telling you is the truth. Uh, uh, what, I am what I am. I am my own character. I'm my own person. The problem today is we want to treat God like Mr. Potato Head, you know, and we want to like add pieces, plug pieces in that make us feel good to make Him look like we want Him to look like. But He's saying, No, that's not me. I am who I am. I am exactly who I am, the way that I am. You tell them I am who I am since you. See, and also it means that God doesn't change. I am who I am means that I am what I am. I'm unchanging. The the Bible says in Malachi 3 and 6, I, the Lord, do not change. He's basically saying, Moses, I am that I am. What is that? I am that, that which you need. I am. I mean, you're feeling lonely, I am comfort. You're feeling heartbroken, I can mend that. You're feeling, you're feeling thirsty, I am water. You're feeling tired, I am strength. You feel, you're feeling like you're a sinner, I am a savior. I am that, I am. And exactly what you will need, that's what I am. I am that I am. The more that you know God, the less you start to be afraid. The the, the less you know God, the more anxiety, the more nervousness, the more worried of embarrassment we can be when God is calling us. God has a plan for us. Number three, Moses dealt with the fear of rejection. Moses, but Moses protested again. Look! Look! They won't believe me. They won't do what I tell them. They'll just say, The Lord never appeared to you. And don't you love that? Because when God calls you to do something, a God call, it will always involve other people, every single time. And don't you know, other people are frustrating. And don't you want them just to get with the program? <laughs> And they will not get with what you want them to do. And he is simply telling him, uh, like, hey, they're not going to do what you say. They're going to reject me. They're not going to listen to me. And I know that this is a real fear. Another, the message says that Moses said, they won't trust me. They won't listen to a word I say. They're going to say, God appeared to you? Hardly. That's what they're going to say. And then God responded to him said, "The Lord said to him, "What is in your hand?" "Woo, a staff," he said. That's all it is, is a staff. I love this because I know that a lot of us are, have a fear of rejection. The Bible also calls this the fear of man, the fear of what people will think, how people will act, whether they accept us or not, when we step out in faith to what God has called us to do. But God takes the attention of what people might say, and he puts it on, what have I already given you? Because I'm going to empower the thing that I have given you to do a great thing in your life. And so Moses is like, all I got is the staff, God. And that is just enough. Uh, uh, It's just enough. You see, Proverbs says that the fear of man is a snare. It's a trap. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's a trap. Turn to the one you didn't like as much and say, it's a trap. That was your second choice, right? It's a trap. The the fear of man is a trap. But let me let you in on a little secret. When God asks you a question, it's never for his benefit. He already knows the answer. And he already knew the answer. He wanted to direct Moses to what Moses had in his hand. What does the staff represent? The staff represent, it was a symbol for a shepherd it was like a stethoscope that you would see and you knew you knew that's tied to like a doctor or a tool belt and you knew that's tied to a mechanic. If you see a, a staff it's tied to being a shepherd. And and this it's a symbol of his identity. It's a symbol of his job, of his career. He's I am a shepherd. That's who he is. It's also a symbol of his income. Uh, they didn't have 401ks. They didn't put their money in stock markets. They put their money in livestock. And so it's a representation of all of his wealth that are, is in his sheep, all of his possessions, everything he owns. His staff is a symbol of his influence. You move, use the staff to move sheep from point A to point B. You either pull them or poke them. <laughs> Hook by hook or crook, crook, right? It's used for influence, to move them along. God says, Moses, I want to take, you take what you have, your identity, your influence, and your income, what's in your hand, and I want you to give it to me. That's what I want you to do. What is in your hand? See, there's always meaning behind every miracle in the Bible. And if you remember, later, Moses would take the staff and he'll lay it down. And what happens to it in front of Pharaoh? It becomes something. It becomes a snake. Out of here, okay? We're not that kind of church. I was going to bring this as an example, but I didn't want to scare you all off. But here's the point. He took everything he had And when he would lay down his income, lay down his influence, lay down his identity, God can make it come alive. And likewise for you, if you will, what's in your hand? It might just seem like a staff. It might just seem like a job. It might just seem like a smile. It might just seem like a little family. It might just seem like you're just a stay-at-home mom. What is in your hand? God is saying if you'll stop being afraid of what they'll think and you'll start giving me what I've already given you, I can make it become alive again. Do something more with it than you thought was possible with what was in your hand. What is in your hand? See, I love this. I didn't know this to this week. I love this. Up until this point, it's referred to as Moses' staff, but once he gives it to God, Do you know they never call it Moses' staff again? It becomes referred to as the rod of God. Because whatever you have, if you truly surrender it, it's no longer yours. And if you give it to God, it becomes his again, right? And he can do more with it than you could do, and he'll let you be a part of it. What is in your hand? It was with that rod of God that Moses dipped into the Nile River and turned the water to blood. It was with that rod of God that people are thirsty and there's no water, and he strikes a rock, and all of a sudden, an artesian well comes up, and they have water. It was with the rod of God that he did all the miracles of the plagues that finally Let the people go. What is in your hand? Because God can make it become alive. He can do more with it than you can imagine. You don't have to be afraid. Number four, he was afraid of comparison, the fear of comparison. The Bible says, But Moses pleaded with the Lord, Oh Lord, I'm not a good speaker, I never have been. And I'm not now. And he said, even after you've spoken to me, I'm clumsy with words. Another translation says, I can never think of what to say all the while he's talking to God. (laughs) Woo! Listen. All the while he's saying, I can't go do it. I can't. I'm not a good speaker. Yet he's talking to the God of the universe. You are capable of more than what you think you're capable of. Oh, I'm going to keep preaching. till someone believes it, I will start over. Let me go back to point one. I'm just kidding. You are capable more than you think you're capable of. You don't don't need to count God out in your life. You need to give yourself a little bit more credit. This is not like, like, hey, pump you up. I'm saying it's through Jesus. It's through God. He takes ordinary things and makes them extraordinary. He takes people who just seem like they don't have it together, and he makes it somehow work out. It's not about you anyway. It's about him, and he wants to take the ordinary you and do something you can't dream or believe. His response to Moses was, who makes mouths? <laughs> who makes people so they can speak or not speak? Hear or not hear or see or not see. Is it not, is it not this guy? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. As I told you, I have told you and I will help you speak well. And you tell them what to say. Stop comparing yourself to others. Stop looking at, well, if I could speak like that, if I could have that platform, if I could have uh, that musical ability, woo! The worship team this morning, come on, Jesus. If I could sing like that, I would never stop singing. I can't carry a tune in a bucket with handles. Come on, somebody. But we've got to take our eyes off of what others can do and put it into what God could do through us. What's in your hand? It's just enough for what God wants to do. You don't need to compare yourself. Moses was looking at about what he could accomplish, his his abilities. And God said, it's not about you at all. He was talking to God. He was more capable than he thought. God is able. The last one, I think the one that resonates with us the most probably It's just simply the fear of commitment to truly commit to God. Moses, but Moses said, oh Lord, please just send someone else. And there it is. Moses just didn't want to go. He just didn't want to be a part of what God was asking him to be a part of. And I'm just telling you, I love you, church. There's some, whew, there's some good people in this church. Y'all are looking mighty fine today. I'm from Alabama. You're still looking really good. I know y'all like Tennessee. It's okay. I still love you. I shouldn't have told you anything about football. Now y'all have checked out. I'm just kidding. No, you are God's person. You're God's man. You're God's woman. But I got to tell you, God gives us the choice. And Moses did not want the commitment. (laughs) And the Lord became angry with Moses. He got frustrated. You know you can frustrate God. We like to give the rap that God's always just like this big guy who's just chuckling along and like, oh, they'll get there, they'll get there. And there's a part of that that's true. But you can take God off. And he got frustrated with Moses. The bottom line is Moses just didn't want to go. He didn't care that God was calling him, that God wanted to use him. He wanted to pass up the greatest opportunity. He was going to pass up changing history, changing a nation, seeing miracles, letting God use him. Moses didn't want to have a part in it. And he says, No thanks. There's a uh, key word in every time Moses had an excuse. It's the first word, if you look back at your outline, under the first one it said, but, the number two, but, number three, but, number four in his excuses, but, every time Moses, but, but, what's your (laughs) but? What's the but that's holding you back? What big butt is in the way? We all have our butts. There's some big butts and there's some small butts. But we all have our butts. And I think your butt's bigger than my butt. And I can see your butt, but you can't see mine. And you can see mine, but I can't see my own but everybody else can see it. And how silly is it that we stop because of some big butts? What has been holding you back from the call of God? Can you hear it? Can you hear God's voice again? He can cry out in a bush, Moses, Moses, and he can call your name too. And he has a part of the story he wants you to be involved in, your life mission. And you will never feel filled with purpose until you come alongside God to fulfill your life mission. I love this church because this church is built on someone going to fulfill their life mission and then opening the doors it's not just a church where we come sit on Sunday it's a church where people come and hear the voice of the Lord crying out their name so that they can go and overcome fear and see God do what only God could do in their life it's not perfect people but it's people God uses perfectly that's who we are that's what God wants for you and you know Moses got on board and because of that small step of faith do you know what scripture says about him in Hebrews, when it's talking about oh, the hall of faith, the people who did amazing things for God, it speaks about Moses. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not bearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. Can you turn your eyes to heaven again today? Look past the disappointments of your past. Look beyond the fears of the present and somehow turn your head to heaven and remember that there is a God who does the impossible. With men it's impossible but with God all things are possible. And you know God does one better. He says not only is it possible, all things possible with God, well, of course, He's God. The Bible says that in Christ, you can do all things. So not only is it possible with God, but in Christ, it's possible in your life too. Moses laid down and stepped out past his fear, and this is why we're talking about him today. And there's these moments he sees God do what only God could do, using him. And I love this, y'all. He comes to this climactic moment in the story, right? And he's got He's fulfilling what God's told him to do. And all of Israel, the the Pharaoh has let the people go. And then the Pharaoh changes his mind. And the Pharaoh starts chasing after him and all of the free people to put them back to slaves again. And the Bible says that God took them the long way by the Red Sea. Woo! I know some of you feel like God's callings on your life. But man, it's hard and it's been long. God likes to take us the long way. And he took us, he took them the long way. And they come to this moment. Don't miss it. Don't miss this. And they're standing at the Red Sea. Moses and the people, his call, everything is at the Red Sea. And there's nothing they can do to move it. And then they hear it from behind them. And they turn and behind them. It's armies coming to get them. Now, don't you know that resonates with some of us today? You feel up against a rock in a hard place, you know what I'm talking about? There's nothing I can do this way. And if I turn and go that way, I'm going back into slavery. What am I supposed to do? So they turned to Moses, and Moses turned to God. And Moses once again took what was in his hand. And the Split and this is the key. This is the key that the slaves who walked on dry ground across that they came in as slaves and they walked out as sons they walked out as called, chosen people. You know why? Because God wanted to use a man to set a people free. God wanted to use a person to set Chattanooga free. God wanted to use a family of faith like this one to do more than what people thought was possible. Oh, there's so many churches there. What's the need for another church? No, we are going to be a people that reaches this city, that reaches this community, because God has family members. is hurting people who are walking in darkness or alone and far from him, and he is calling out, Moses, Moses, I am with you, and he is with you.